There was not time for the Atmon Shi to acknowledge the gesture of their new chief. With cries and shouts, the slavers advanced on the village. Seeing them, the Atmon Shi screamed wildly and ran across the clearing, trying to reach their chief who stood above them in strength and power, symbolizing protection. But the slavers advancing among them tossed the Atmon Shi about like leaves in a wind. Seizing the strongest and tallest, they quickly clamped wrist and ankle shackles on them, thrusting aside the old men and women, the little children. A white man approached the platform where Atmon was standing, his arm around Atmon. The white man uttered a volley of words, sharp as the sound of the muskets had been in Atmon's ears, and less meaningful. But Atmon would not lower himself to respond. When the slaver advanced and tried to separate the brother and sister, Atmon's hold only tightened on the girl. The white man hesitated. He had seen fire flashing from the eyes of the tall black youth, and he was afraid. A second white man, fully armed, approached from one side, and seeing him, gave the slaver courage. Stepping forward, he seized Athmon and hurled her to the ground. When Atmon reached out to help her, the two whites secured his wrists with bamboo withes and threw him down to chain his ankles. He's a likely one, the slaver muttered, and should fetch a good price, but he's dangerous. Tighten those irons. Dawn came. The Atmon she men and some of their women stood in a long line chained together in the clearing surrounded by the conical huts. Those whom the slavers had not wanted cowered together, too stunned for any utterance. Commands were barked out that meant nothing to the Atmunshi. Then the crack of a lash started the long line moving slowly. Seeing them disappear into the jungle, the old men and women and the little children set up a low wailing. It was so soft at first that it was scarcely audible, but it grew in volume and intensity. Desolate, deprived of their youth, their strength, their leadership, what were a handful of old people and children to do in the jungle? The line filed slowly on as the best of the Atmon Shi with bowed heads and bowed shoulders, stumbled into the unknown. Only a youth at the end of the line still carried his head high. Past the raised platform they went, past the huddled form of a young girl, and only the sound of her weeping let them know that she was alive. Passing her, Atmun suddenly bent low and said something to her. Then he raised his head again. The slaver, bringing up the rear, came forward with his lash. Atmon cringed as he felt it, but he uttered no sound, though for the rest of his life his back would bear the marks made on it by the white man's lash. Athmon lifted her head and listened until she could no longer hear the dull thud of footsteps echoing on the jungle floor. She rose to her feet with difficulty. Then holding her hands open and outspread, as was the custom of her tribe, she advanced slowly toward her people. Atmun had reminded her 
that her birth had made her the servant of her people. He was still a prince, though chains bound him, and she was a princess. Neither one could escape the work they had been born to do. The Middle Passage The captives were led through the jungle from early dawn until noon when they reached the bank of a wide river. There, they were given water, but no food. Under the watchful eyes and ever-pointed muskets of their captors, they were allowed a brief rest while the canoes were readied for the journey downstream. Coarse shouts and loud voice commands in a meaningless tongue filled the air. The Atmanshi people, now so tired and hungry that their fright and bewilderment were secondary, squatted on the ground with heads between their knees, 